Hey, welcome into Comics for All. Uh, first off, thank you guys so much for all the amazing feedback we've been getting here on the show. Since we've been back, it's just been amazing. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for all the likes, the comments, the subscribes, and also all the shares. Uh, we've been getting some new people talking about how they're hearing the show, hitting us up on Instagram and Twitter, and man, that is just, it's so exciting. It's so great that uh, this is resonating with you guys and you guys are enjoying the show. Uh, on this episode, though, we have an amazing uh, comic creator coming on, David Pepos. You may have heard of his name before on our show. We're big fans. But uh, he's actually talking with us about his newest project, The OZ. And this is just something that he's kind of hinted at and teased a little bit, but it is done. It is ready to go, and we are excited to get it. Uh, but he's actually starting a Kickstarter campaign. And on the campaign, one of the big things for you guys is just to uh, help with the publishing. So what's really cool is it's all done. It's ready to go. We're not going to really have to wait for anything. Uh, if you go and you help support this project, it's going to have a really quick turnaround. It's going to get in your hands really quickly. And the other cool thing about it is he's doing a giant size issue. So this is two issues in one book ready to go. And man, we couldn't be more excited for it. He shared some awesome things with us. You can even go and see and support the Kickstarter right now. It is live on kickstarter.com. All you have to do is go to kickstarter.com, search for the OZ, the O dot Z dot number one, and it'll pop you right into his page and you can go help him out and get this thing out on the shelves, into our hands, and get some really cool rewards um, from the backer tiers as well. Uh, so thank you guys so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. We also want to thank everybody out there for, once again, hitting us up, finding us on Instagram and Twitter at all for comics. You can also find David Pepos out there uh, on his Instagram at PeposD. You can also find him on Facebook and Twitter as well. Go and let him know that you heard him here on the show. Um, and man, it is so cool that he came on and shared this with us. Couldn't be more excited to share it with you guys as well. And we hope you enjoy the episode. Thanks so much and enjoy. <laughs> with that being said, man, welcome in Comics for All, all of our fantastic people out there on the interwebs. Uh, we have a really great episode again. Um, August, the month filled with fantastic people, and one of our favorites of all time is here with us today. But before we introduce him, I'm going to keep the hype going here just a little bit longer. Keep that leash pulling. What's up, Pete and Marley? How you guys doing, man? This podcast will be fully operational by the time your ears arrive. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help it. Pete, top it. You have it's your job now. I missed you guys. I've been <laughs> waiting. <laughs> oh, sure. For the heart. All right. Um, thank you guys, man. It's great to have you guys both here. Pete and Marley joined us, and we are interviewing, like I said, one of our favorite people out there, man, Mr. David Peppos. Welcome back in, dude. Hi. Thank you guys so much for having me. It's always it's always a blast to chat with you. I, I've missed you guys, so thanks for having me. Awesome, man. No, we're super stoked to have you back. Um, go ahead, guys. Saffron. 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 All the other what it was saffron and I and and I think it it was what yeah, something that sounded a little bit bad to drink. Yeah, we we've got a, we've got a, we've got Project Saffron. Uh, that's sort of the, the the big project. But yeah, I've got I've got a few others uh, uh, in 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 the back corner. We've got a Project Hemlock, Project Juniper, um, Project Tagalong, and uh, uh, and 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 uh, Project Spooky. Um, so yeah, uh, those are those are the things that are sort of in the in the back pocket right now. But uh, 
yeah, today I'm, I'm very excited to actually tell you guys what Project Saffron is. Nice. Um, so, yeah, which will be available uh, by the time you guys are listening to it. It will be available right now on Kickstarter. Yes, absolutely. So it'll be launched out um, on Kickstarter already. Um, Podrick Saffron. Uh, hopefully everybody signed up for the hype train for it and got their pre-release, um, you know, signed up for their newsletters. And if not, go and check it out, man. It'll be Kickstarter slash Project Saffron. Where's it going to be at? Yeah. So, uh, well, I guess if you guys want, I'll reveal the official title. Oh, because this will be the day. This be it'll up. be it'll it'll be up. So you guys will already know uh, what it is. So um, for those of you uh, uh, you listening um, who, who who don't follow my newsletter pep talks, um, I I like to talk about projects that I'm working on. Uh, but at the same time, I don't want to spoil things. Uh, so I've taken the handy dandy system of codenaming all of my books. And uh, since the newsletter started, I've been teasing a project called Project Saffron for a long time. And um, I'm really excited uh, to, to announce uh, the, the official title of the book, which is The OZ. Uh, it's what if uh, Mad Max and the Hurt Locker took place in The Wizard of Oz. Yes. So yes. It's kind of our, 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 our war-torn twist on epic fantasy. I'm working with uh, artist Ruben Rojas, uh, colorist Whitney Kogar from the Eisner Award-winning Giant Days, and uh, And World Designs is DC Hopkins. Uh, it is uh, it's, it's it's a super uh, action-packed uh, book. If you're a fan of my previous work on Spencer and Locke and going to the Chapel, you're going to love this book. Um, but yeah, it kind of reimagines L. Frank Baum's uh, Wizard of Oz mythology. And uh, kind of puts it through this kind of uh, uh, battle-scarred lens of Mad Max, Fury Road, uh, the Old Guard, and the Sheriff of Babylon. Um, so we're really excited to, to show this book off to the world. It's been a, a, in development for a very long time. And that's part of the reason why we're going on Kickstarter is, uh, you know, we are releasing a double-sized first issue at 44 pages. And I said this artwork is too beautiful to, to, to let go unseen. Um, we're, 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 we're releasing it now come hell or high water. And uh, I'm very excited for fans to see what this team has put together. Uh, nothing short of Epic from what we've got to see so far. Uh, Marley, what was that? Oh, I'm just excited that it's a double issue because I think if it were a single issue, it would not be enough. <laughs> it, it's, it's, uh, you know, the, the, the great thing, um, about the wizard of Oz is, you know, it's, it's kind of sweeping, um, in scale just by its very nature um, you know it's it's its own separate world that has a, 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 a wide range of characters and locations and so um, as I was writing this book it kind of had this very larger than life uh, take on it um, kind of a quick high concept of the OZ is it, it reimagines Everybody knows the original Wizard of Oz story. Uh, you know, Dorothy Gale gets swept up in a tornado. She crash lands into Oz. She meets uh, three extraordinary new friends. And together they unite to uh, kill the Wicked Witch of the West. And then Dorothy goes home. And I, as somebody who was coming of age during the, the invasion of Iraq, that really hearing that on paper it sounded like a recipe for a disaster it sounded like a botched regime change that dorothy kind of in 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 so many words assassinates a political leader and then leaves <laughs> and 
there's kind of so I, I thought immediately there'd be this power vacuum um, with no sort of centralized power structure or leadership that would kind of turn into civil war. And that's where the OZ picks up. Uh, we follow uh, the original Dorothy's granddaughter, um, her, her namesake, who's also named Dorothy. And she's uh, uh, she's an Iraq war veteran. Um, and she's kind of grappling with her own trauma and disillusionment from her time overseas. And she's been trying to put the pieces of her life back together in Kansas with her grandmother. Um, the original Dorothy's battling Alzheimer's. Um, she keeps telling stories about munchkins and yellow brick roads and has anybody fed Toto lately? And her, you know, her poor granddaughter is just thinking, you know, grandma's lost her mind. And, you know, it's pretty an isolating kind of existence for her. Well, our new Dorothy kind of follows in the footsteps of her grandmother. She gets swept up by a tornado and she's dropped into this magical battlefield. And she realizes her grandmother's stories are not as rose colored as she thought. Um, so she's going to have to kind of navigate her own past. She's going to have to navigate her grandmother's former friends. Uh, if she ever hopes to bring peace to the occupied zone, or as the locals call it, the OZ. OZ. Um, so yeah, it's kind of, you know, this, this larger than life action adventure that, you know, explores, uh, you know, uh, trauma and, and guilt, which are a lot of themes that I, I tackle in my, in, in some of my other works. But um, it also examines the, the question of morality in war. Um, is it possible to make a good decision, a right decision, when every choice you make winds up with somebody dead? Um, you know, because that's the calculus that every soldier on the ground has to think about. Is not only are they thinking about their own lives, but it's it's, it's this calculus of their own lives, uh, their the lives of the enemy. The, their friends and then anybody unlucky enough to be a bystander to all of this. And so especially once she's thrust in this leadership role, Dorothy's going to be thinking, you know, what is my role as a soldier? What is my role as a leader? Is it possible to break this cycle of violence? Um, and that's kind of the, 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 the weightier themes that we're juggling with these sort of over the top action sequences uh, in the OZ. Nice. Uh, okay. So for yourself, you'd mentioned like, uh, you know, this was something for you growing up around with the mm -hmm. Iraq war, those invasions happening through some of your earlier years. Um, and the Wizard of Oz, right? We all grew up with Wizard of Oz. I mean, yeah. a weird kind of hybrid of thought process behind that. I, I love <laughs> the concept. Really, I, I really, really do. Um, there's been a lot of stories of, you know, Dorothy's, you know, after leaving things of that nature, mm -hmm. where do you feel this really stands out being more of a story of war that was sure. left versus, you know, a fantasy tale of them kind of coming back and venturing through, you know, odds? Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely a hybrid. Um, you know, a, a lot of my thought process when I'm, when I'm coming to books and especially back when I first started developing the OZ, um, you know, it's funny. I actually started work on this um, shortly after the first Spencer and Locke came out. Um, I, I've, I've, I've said this a f to, uh, to a few people, but I didn't know if I was going to do another book after Spencer and Locke. I, I kind of wanted to see what the reaction was and make sure I wasn't run out of the industry. Um, you know, because uh, there are a few cows more sacred in comics than Calvin and Hobbes. And so doing what if Calvin and Hobbes grew up in Sin City, uh, that's a book, whether you succeed or fail, you do it loudly. Um, and so thankfully 
people liked that book. And so I said, okay, I've got permission to do, to do something else. And so the three books that I was working on concurrently after the first Spencer and Locke was I was working on Spencer and Locke too. I was working on going to the chapel and I was working on this. Um, and uh, I kind of considered Spencer and Locke too. And the OZ is, is, is opposite sides of the same coin um, because Spencer and Locke too, we had a, a military themed villain uh you know uh, uh roach riley who's our riff on mort walker's beetle bailey and um i was developing that story i think i was scripting spencer and lock two while i was developing the oz and so i thought you know this is kind of a way to show the more thoughtful side of the process it's not somebody who's sort of been twisted and manipulated into being a, a villain this is somebody who is sort of trying to put their own pieces of their life back together and so um my process you know coming up with the oz was i was thinking at the time you know what's a different genre i want to do um and i thought you know uh fantasy would be uh, 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 something that I'd like to do, kind of expand my genre horizons. And I thought, you know, a fantasy war story would be interesting. Um, you know, sort of diving into those heavier themes that I like to tackle, but still having an element of the fantastic. And um, when I was going through some of the, the different ideas I had, um, the Wizard of Oz popped up pretty quickly. And the word Oz just stood out to me. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's short, but it's iconic. And I started thinking like, oh, that could be initials for something. <laughs> and immediately I thought occupied zone. Yeah. And I was like, oh, it fits, that's man. an, that's a, that's a, that's a book. And so, um, the ideas kind of really started flowing out of me from that. It's similar to Spencer and Locke where we're able to sort of switch between kind of hard boiled noir and kind of buddy comedy, um, and, 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 and psychological thriller, you know, we're able to switch gears whenever I'm in a rut. I felt the same way about the OZ, which is, you know, anytime that, uh, you know, the fantasy elements aren't working out, maybe I can throw in, a, you know, a military angle. And maybe when that's not working out, I sort of dive into the history of, you know, the characters and the, and the, and the country of Oz. And so, um, you know, it is definitely a continuation, um, you know, primarily off of the, the, the original Wizard of Oz novel. Um, although we do cherry pick a bit, from some of the uh the the mythology from some of l frank Baum's later novels but the my my thought was um you know first off legally the wizard of oz as a book is considered public domain the film is not yeah so you have right. to kind of you have to be kind of careful with what you use like i can't use the ruby slippers for example that was a that was a a, a bit of artistic license that was taken um for uh for technicolor Got it. So, um, you know, like the Emerald City is something from the book, the Elbert Road, something from the books. Uh, the slippers were silver in, in, in the books. Um, but that said, it's like kind of that you, you kind of have to thread the needle a little bit because that's the popular consciousness. Um, you know, there are plenty of people who have not read The Wizard of Oz. Yeah. But I, you, you'd have to look under a rock to find somebody who's never seen the movie. Um, and so I wanted to kind of keep. It, you know, this story um, is self-contained with the main characters as possible. Um, but at the same time, you know, mining, uh, mining the, 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 that, the Oz um, mythos, it, particularly in terms of setting. Um, I talked a lot primarily with our colorist, Whitney Kogar. Um, but I said, you know, Mad Max Fury Road is, is kind of a, a big, um, 
inspiration influence on this book. But I also talked a lot about Star Wars um, mm-hmm. because if you look at Star Wars, it, you know, there's so much scale and scope to it. And it's because of the diversity of settings. Uh, no matter where, you know, if you look at Endor versus Hoth versus Tatooine versus um, the Death Star, these all have very different vibes and palettes and temperatures. And each setting has kind of its own high concept. And Oz is just like that. Nice. Um, you know, if you've got, you know, for example, the bombed out Emerald City. Um, where the resistance is kind of biding its time. Or you have the deadly desert, which is turned into a, a refugee camp of people trying to escape the conflict. Um, or, you know, the razor sharp mountaintops of Ix, um, which, you know, are kind of, they're, 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 they're super dangerous just by virtue of how remote they are, how high up everything is. Um, you know, it, it, there are so many different locations from Oz and they all have their own different flavor. And so we're able to add globe trotting is probably overstating it, but we're sort of able to, to, to it's, it's a little bit of a road trip movie uh, in in a way because Dorothy and, and sort of her, her makeshift army, they're going to be going from to different locations. Um, You know, the, the other sort of influence that I brought to the table, um, you know, a lot of uh, role-playing games from my youth. Um, so if you've ever played Chrono Trigger, you know, Final Fantasy or the Final Fantasy VII Remake, um, that's sort of the vibe that I, I, was, I, I, was, I was bringing it together. Because, you know, the original Wizard of Oz, you've got Dorothy, Scarecrow, Tin Man, the Cowardly Lion. They've, they're, those are very separate archetypes, and they kind of come together as this jam band super team. And so taking the Chrono Trigger approach for... Dorothy and her army of four um, that that was really that really kind of got me going um, for this book and seeing kind of our reimaginings and reinterpretations and sub and downright substitutes at times um, you know we get to cherry pick from the Oz mythology a little bit and um, and use it to come up with a remix that feels really exciting um, so much of this book is about the passage of time um you know time certainly works differently in oz than it does our world but it's been a generation for these people and while you know while while the original dorothy gale you know i feel bad for her in a way because she thinks that she left and everything was great and her granddaughter is going to kind of touch down and realize like oh these guys have, have seen some stuff um and so we're able to kind of, you know, I get to have my cake and eat it too. I get to kind of zig where people think I might be zagging. Uh, but on the other hand, they're, these characters are so archetypical that you can take their qualities and just take them to the logical conclusion. You know, the, the, the tin soldier, for example, he only wanted a heart. But what happens to that heart when you've, been see- when you've seen years of, of horrific combat? Um, you know, or the scarecrow who, you know, he, he wanted a brain, um, that, you know, is going to turn into a real monkey's paw situation for him. Um, the scarecrow in particular is kind of the most complicated, uh, figure in, in, in this book. I think, I think people's relationship with that character will change dramatically, um, from issued from, from our first issue to our second issue or our third, um, mm-hmm. You know, and, uh, you know, 
the cowardly lion, for example. Um, you know, he wanted to be brave and it's one thing to be brave when it's just you, but what happens when you're the king of the jungle and you suddenly have a whole nation to think about, um, suddenly that calculus of bravery becomes something very different. Um, so it's, it's, it's kind of, and then Dorothy herself, you know, I mean, we're used to, I think we're all used to seeing the Judy Garland character. Um, you know, uh, very, very agreeable, a little mischievous, but like, you know, very innocent. Yeah, and she has a great song, you know, but <laughs> yeah. And uh, meanwhile, this, this new Dorothy, like, you know, uh, there's, there's, there's a lot of Furiosa to her. <laughs> um, you know, she like, but at the same time, you know, there's also a little bit of, of, of Locke from Spencer and Locke where she's, she's very much in her own head. You know, she's kind of always sort of, thinking she's weighing the consequences of what does it mean if i if i get back out there um you know can i do this and thinking about as the story progresses we'll see more of her time in iraq and afghanistan and realizing kind of what was it that kind of broke her faith um and uh yeah it's like seeing those different riffs on those different characters uh it's really fun and it, 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 it lets it, it in certain ways, it almost feels like training wheels for licensed books um, where you have that kind of shared history that everybody knows or everybody can kind of fill in the blanks. And then wow. you're able to just do go completely left field with it. And it still feels organic and it still f- makes sense. Um, and yeah, it's just a really fun characters to follow. I can't wait for, um, for, for readers to get to meet them. I absolutely love that, man. That's so amazing. Well, one thing I'm I'm really curious about yeah. that I need to ask you with the setup of Spencer and Locke too. Yeah, it's that early, but Spencer. And yeah, Locke, I remember you you and Jorge both emphasizing the, you know, not only the Calvin and Hobbes Sin City aspect, mm-hmm. but how important the crime drama aspect was. Sure. In this case, I finally know to I finally realized to ask what came first. Was it the was it the hey fantasy because or was it the hey Wizard of Oz because or was it um. Well, you know, it was, there was part of me that said, like, just sort of a vague, like, every time I write a book, I wind up coming with a checklist of what I couldn't do in that book, for whatever reason, whether it was the genre, or the the, the structure of the book. And I'm like, okay, that's something I want to do in a future book. So Spencer and Locke, for example, uh, really tight cast, you know, very small, intimate cast. So that one of the next books I came up with was I said, I want a huge cast. And so we did go into the chapel, which had, I think 15 or 16 speaking roles in it. Um, and the chapel, you know, and the chapel. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, I thought, you know, after Spencer and Locke, I was thinking, you know, what kind of genres do I want to work on next? Um, you know, I said, sci-fi and fantasy for sure. Um, sci-fi I've got covered with um, the upcoming grand theft Astro, which we're still, it's written. We're just, putting the art together it's just taking a little uh, a little bit of extra time especially with covid um but fantasy like i feel like that's a, a genre similar to rom-coms that um it, it doesn't get the the rap it deserves um i feel like it's and, and the thing i love about fantasy is to me it it speaks more about characterization and metaphor um there's so much you can say with fantasy that sci-fi you have to have these very hard and fast rules um it's not to say I, I, I have a few sci-fi projects in development now, but it's just like, those are so much harder for me than fantasy where you can just say, what is this character? 
what is what's their sort of arc and their theme and their point of view and how do we turn that into a power set um so mm. uh so yeah i thought about fantasy but i was you know it was just sort of a vague like i want to do fantasy someday and then as i was thinking of like mashups um just you know the idea of the wizard of oz came to mind uh i i think the thing is you know especially because i had so much fun doing spencer and Locke and seeing the reaction to spencer and Locke was so fun that i thought to myself you know I can't do this forever. I cannot do the the the, the dipping into nostalgia and doing kind of a, a dark twist on it. Like after a while, people will get annoyed with me. Uh, mm-hmm. But I did say I'd like to do it three times. Um, and so uh, the OZ, like when I when I thought of Wizard of Oz and and sort of that that thought process kind of clicked together of oh Oz that could be that could stand for occupied zone. Then it then sort of. I really committed to the war element. Um, and I really kind of, you know, where it was sort of, there is this base of fantasy and there is the magic and there are the monsters. And, 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 and this is, this is in a fantasy world that is unlike our own, but um, it was taking that war element to it. And the thing is, I, I thought there, there was a lot of different um, ways that this could have gone. And um, finally, I think the idea of just staying true to those characters of just saying, this is just a continuation of, of this botched regime change. And this is the logical conclusion to it. That's when I was like, Oh, okay. This like the, the, the whole arc kind of just lit up for me. Um, And and that's when it becomes really fun. Like it becomes, I I did a lot of classes at upright citizens brigade. um, And they, they always said that, remembering is easier than inventing and this feels a lot like like archaeology you know it feels like you're uncovering and chiseling out the story that's there and and for me then it becomes more of just kind of feeling my way through it and being like okay this rings true this doesn't ring true um then sort of having to invent things out of whole cloth which is is is, is a real pain um but yeah i i feel like i feel like um the fantasy element was certainly sort of this vague thing in the back of my head. And the moment that I thought of Oz, that's when the whole idea crystallized. And I was like, Oh, okay. I think I got a book here. Nice. Ben? Go ahead, Pete. Was he having anything? Oh, I just had one, one slash two super, super geeky questions. As fun. Hit me. <laughs> Go, I love man. geeky questions because you talk about how, how it just kind of follows. I can already see that turning through my head. What I remember from reading these dang things back in elementary school Mm -hmm. and the fact that, and the fact that one, there are so many characters like the scarecrow and the tin woodman who Mm -hmm. excellent explorations of man's humanity to man, or even just basic morality, any places in between. But I realize that one and, and this might be where you have to go really vague, especially since this sure. is early in the storytelling. Yeah. Understood. Yeah. But the, uh, but I remember the jigsaw puzzle people who were, mm-hmm. who were easily frightened into falling to pieces. You know, it's, it, it's funny. That could be in a war setting. <laughs> so, so I will say, I, you know, it's funny. I, so I, I, I thought about the puzzle people and I thought about Ozma and I thought, uh, you know, there, there was there. So I tried to limit some of it. Um, you know, I, I, in part, some of it is, was just 
to keep it kind of as accessible as humanly possible. But some of it was also just, you know, I never say never to the idea of a sequel. And so, you know, if people want more of this to say, okay, let's, let's, let's leave a little of the mythology so you can just kind of expand it more later. But we, we definitely tap into to bits and pieces. Uh, Jack Pumpkinhead, for example, plays, plays a, 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 a decent role in this. Um, but uh, yeah, it was, it, it it's a, uh, it's funny. I, I wrote a, a paper in college in adolescent literature um, about Oz as, as a prototype superhero universe. Uh, because because there's so many different you know there's 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 so many like i i i paralleled it to marvel just saying you know there's all these different uh factions and countries and peoples and they all have their own unique abilities and their own not their own individual histories but then their shared histories as they start coming together and, and mixing it up um but you know as far as as far as the oz is goes i try to keep my focus um because the popular consciousness is so tied to the Judy Garland movie um, to sort of, to, to keep the initial mythology as tight as I can um, just so people aren't kind of like taken out of left field um, with then sort of chipping away at being like, okay, here's something that wasn't in the original books, but like, you know um, like the mountaintops of X, you know, like that. I was kind of like, I just to show that like, there's a deeper world here. Um, you know, um, and to show that there, you know, there are Winkies and there are Munchkins and there's the Animal Kingdom and you know, uh, the 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 horses of a different color, um, you know, uh, all the uh, the, guys, man, for all the yeah, the, birds. I love it. You know, but we've also got like the 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 winged monkey death core, um, and you know, uh, so it's it's uh, it's it's that's the great thing about Oz and the great thing about that mythology is, um, you know, the thing about calvin and hobbs is sometimes it feels like you're dancing on the head of a pin um because you know it was it was 10 years of strips but you know there's still the mythology like once you use it your it shrinks your window shrinks and so um i'm i'm currently writing spencer and lock three right now and that was that's been a big challenge for me is just being like uh what have i not hit and how do i fit this in with the mythologies of garfield and peanuts as well um but uh yeah for oz it's sort of it's it's uh it's kind of it's it's virgin territory um where i'm just like okay i get to just pick and choose anything i want this is awesome um while still kind of keeping it at that level and it's most relatable and it's most iconic and it's most universal um because you know ultimately that's why i keep playing with nostalgia um you know it's not for shock value because that like that doesn't keep people interested there needs to be something to it there needs to be more than just like oh they're dark and they they, they kill each other um you know this you know I, I i focus a lot on trauma you know childhood trauma and they're being brought into it as adults um for the oz it's adult trauma and bringing that through sort of to the you know you think you're out of the game and then you're brought back in um oh, yeah. And I think the thing about nostalgia is it's it's sort of this collective memory. Um, it's this it's this collective innocence of a time when the world was not so complicated. Um, you know, they they the invasion of Iraq took place, I think I was a, a freshman or sophomore in high school. Um, you know, I remember 9-11 very clearly. 
Um, and so taking these kind of childhood icons, these archetypes that are so flexible, you can kind of really take them anywhere and, and they won't break. Um, by taking those universal symbols and taking them to darker subject matter, to heavier subject matter, I think we're able to do a deeper dive that more people can relate to. Um, you know, it's 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 never meant to be mean spirited. Quite the contrary, I think it's meant to be. It's our way of sort of honoring the giants that came before us, and also saying like, hey, there's a different angle for which these amazing characters can be taken. I love it, um, especially you know, and you hit on the specific thing for me, which I love about all your yeah. writing is mental health and mental awareness, sure. mental health awareness, especially sure. ar- around a lot of your themes. And you talked about adult trauma. Um, yeah. Was there anything specific, any material specifically that you you knew or read or saw that you were like, yeah. you got to have that in here or talk about that in this piece? Well, you know, I, I. It's funny, you know, you never know what experiences are going to influence your work. And uh, before I was a comics writer, I I was a reporter at a newspaper. And, um, you know, one of the the, I I was I was considered a general assignment reporter. So my beats were kind of a grab bag. You know, I would I would cover uh, crime at night. Um, You know, I'd be talking, interfacing with all the police departments. But um, the the local military uh, beat was was something that I picked up. And um, I remember I did um, a series of, of, of articles about how local veterans dealt with PTSD wow. um, coming back home. This was in rural Massachusetts. This is Berkshire County. Yeah. And so, you know, for those who are not familiar with Massachusetts politics and why would you be, um, you know, this is sort of the westernmost part of the state. They're furthest away from Boston and Beacon Hill. They're sort of getting the least amount of political power, the least amount of money and, 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 and infrastructure. Um, you know, there was only, there was only, uh, I think two exits to get you to the mass turnpike in the entire County. Um, and so, you know, hearing these people's stories, I think really definitely influenced, um, you know, uh, influenced my thinking uh, on this book, and, you know, because ultimately it's meant to be as compassionate as possible and to be, and, and to not ever sort of trivialize anybody's experiences. And, and so, um, you know, those were, those were definitely things that I, that I tried to take to mind. Um, a lot of the, the, the research that I'd done on, on, on PTSD for Spencer and Locke kind of also influenced this book. Um, also I, I, I've been fortunate that, um, I, I have friends who have served in, in the military. And so I talked with them, um, a lot sort of in the development process of this book, um, both sort of like, what was it like for you, yeah. you know, on, 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 on the ground. Um, but, and, and also just to be like, Hey, is this terminology? Am I using this correctly? <laughs> don't, um, I don't want to sound like a complete <clears throat> fool. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but also just like to be like, well, you know, it's still going on yeah. over there. And why, to, in your mind, why do you think that is? Oh. Um, and, and, and honestly, those conversations were really instructive for me in terms of kind of the root causes of what I would consider for the OZ. Because, you know, the thing is, is like, you know, in the real world, like we, 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 we busted into Iraq without really a plan. And the thing is, and this is kind of a big theme in our book, is it takes far more power to destroy order than it does to restore it. Got it. And that's kind of, that's kind of been an ongoing thing 
in the OZ is it's not that people haven't tried um, to, 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 to bring the country back together. But if anything, sometimes those good intentions make things worse. Um, so yeah, those are, you know, it's always trying to be compassionate. I mean, the thing, the thing about, and I love Spencer and Locke too. I think it, it was kind of a, a, you know, as far as sequels go, it was everything I could have hoped for, but you know, I, I feel like as much as we tried to sort of explain why Roach was the way he was, um, you know, I could totally see somebody reading that and being like, oh, that's not the most compassionate take on veterans. Yeah. Um, you know, even though it's sort of like, you know, we were trying to do like the Joker beats the deer hunter. And so that's just sort of how the concept flowed together. But, um, you know, like I said, every book I do, I have a checklist and the checklist for Spencer and Locke two was, I think we made a really fearsome villain with Roach and one that I, I, I think we, we justified. Um, but I wanted a character that like, we really just kind of got into a soldier's head and, and, you know, granted, I don't, I don't think I'm going like the full Rucka here. Like, uh, you know, like I'm not, I'm not Greg Rucka. I'm not Larry Hama, um, who, I mean, first off, they've got, they've got decades of experience on me and, um, that, that flavors every choice they make from their dialogue to, to all that. I've said sort of, we're totally in between Mad Max, Fury Road and Star Wars, um, you know, where we're able to sort of, uh, lend enough, um, uh, uh, uh veracity to sort of establish Dorothy's bona fides as a soldier, but by virtue of putting it in this different world, we're able to take some artistic liberties. Um, You know, so, you know, it's not going to be just Dorothy running in guns blazing, for example. Um, You know, she, you know, she, that's the cool thing about Oz is there's so many different, there's different materials to work with. And while yes, as a trained soldier, she's going to have certain ways she wants to do things. You'll see in our cover, you know, she's got sort of the makeshift combat helmet and the makeshift rifle. Um, But there are other things. And so it's seeing how her military mind sort of reinterprets the wizard of Oz. You know, you might see, for example, a fire fairy, you know, somebody might use it as a lantern. (laughs) She might see it as something a lot more destructive. Got it. Um, (laughs) <laughs> and so that's kind of that's been you know some of the appeal of this book is being like huh okay like you know the wizard of oz had a balloon like what if you turn that into a halo jump oh, oh. Okay. you know um you know like that those are the sorts of those are the sorts of things that kind of were were were, were, were cycling through my mind while writing this book um and i but i think yeah i think dorothy's background certainly informs and influences the whole thing i mean like you know just talking about you know any everything from sort of you know can one soldier make a difference to the efficacy of torture um you know (laughs) these are all things that we you know and 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 sort of you know um and and nation building and regime change um you know to just sort of the, the strangeness of being in a world that you don't recognize. Yeah. But it, it, not only is it a world, it's a world you don't recognize, but in certain ways, it's a world that Dorothy never left. Got it. Um, yeah. You know, there's a lot of commonalities. Uh, you know, the battlefield may be different, but the war is still the same. Got it. Yeah, no. And, um, and the, the, all the images and thoughts going through my mind right now, man, I'm so hyped for this. And <laughs> all I can think of now is like, man, it's, 
firebugs smell good in the morning, right? My apocalypse now moment with that mm-hmm. or something like that. Uh, yeah, you know, we we we. I, I mean, it's it's very fun. Like, I spent a whole night the other night coming up with like taglines for like the winged monkey death core. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like it's like flying the unfriendly skies or monkey see monkey doom. Um, you know, like, like just, just, you know, there's, there's a little element of sort of black humor, um, you know, of, of sort of like a, like, like a platoon or a full metal jacket. But at the same time, it's, it's sort of like, you know, it's like Spencer and Locke. We get to have our cake and eat it too, where you have that, you have certain elements of absurdity, um, that you can't help, but like have a surprise chuckle. But at the same time, we always veer back to like these are these characters. We never we're never here to poke fun at them. Yeah, we're we're you know their 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 problems and their issues and their scars are real. And I think out of respect for anybody who's ever read one of my books that might have scars of their own, um, that's not something that I ever want to punch down on. Yeah. And um, having having written the whole book, um, the book is written uh, nice. the whole thing. Um, I I can tell you, I'm really happy with how we stuck the landing with it. Um, I think, I think every character gets their get. I think we do justice to everybody in this book. And, um, and so, yeah, I'm very excited uh, to see how readers respond to these characters who are very familiar, but have also been irrevocably changed. Well, you always have that character in every one of your books that just walks away and I feel has to be a fan favorite in every mm-hmm. one of your stories. So mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to see who I pick out of this one and I'm just blown away by. So Yeah, I I feel like I've got it to me, I think it's gonna be one of two characters, but I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bias anybody. Okay. <laughs> um but uh and and the plus side is we you know I think the OZ fits itself really well in a three act structure. And that's why for the Kickstarter we're doing our plan um, is to do three Kickstarters with double sized issues. So each issue will be 44 pages. Um, And the, the, our story really breaks itself down nicely into a three act structure. All the issues pair together really well. And um, I can tell you that, you know, our first issue, some of the characters you'll meet, You'll be like, oh, okay. I really, I really, I've certainly fallen in love with them. And then, as you know, as issue two rolls around, then we sort of see the rest of the team come together. And then issue three, it's sort of everybody's. It's it's sort of it's you know, do or die. Everybody's getting put through their paces. This is sort of the last, the last battle of the great war. And how is this going to play out? so stoked i can't wait uh this is just seeing some of the art we get to catch here and everybody's gonna get on this kickstarter and i just feel like the hype is gonna be unstoppable so man, i'm so happy you're putting this into the world man this is just one of those things oh you know i'm i'm just really excited you know the team i'm working with is so incredible um ruben rojas is the best artist you've never heard of um he he uh i found him on twitter he was responding to a a a call for artists and i was shocked that nobody noticed um he's got this style it's got a lot in common with 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 sean murphy but i think he's got sean kind of has a very sharp inking style and ruben i think has, has a much softer touch with his with his inks that i think it makes the book really inviting and it um it's very expressive and the thing is, is not only is he such, he's an incredibly gifted storyteller. I mean, you know, with the way he composes his shots and, and, and the way he and I work together, you know, figuring out layouts, but um, he's such a talented designer. And, you know, I, uh, 
I kind of wrote like a laundry list of ideas for him. And he, he somehow sifts through all my crazy stuff and is like, okay. And like delivers something like the tin soldier There you where go. I was just like, Oh yeah, that nope. You killed it. You crushed it. Um, <laughs> Uh, so, you know, he's, he's incredible. Whitney's our secret weapon. You know, she takes Ruben's already amazing artwork and just really bumps it up to something that is, and it's great. It's crazy. Cause I'm so exacting with the colors and, you know, cause I think they make or break any book. Um, if you don't have the right colorist, it, it, your book doesn't look very good. And Whitney and I, we talked a lot about star Wars. Um, and, and, and really, you know, she turns she turned in her first pages and i was like i don't really i don't really have any notes for this and then as the book just kept getting turned in i was just like i don't really have any notes for this you're like killing it um you know and uh and then you know dave hopkins dc hopkins our 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 letter you know um he and whitney were both referred to me by by my friend uh, michael mokio who was uh he was an editor at boom studios um he and i came up in the trenches together in the comics journalism scene and uh now he's an editor over at mad cave and um I remember talking with Mike about the OZ uh, early on. We had Ruben and he was like, Oh, Whitney and DC Hopkins are really terrific. You should really reach out to them. And uh, yeah, uh, DC and I, we, uh, we met at um, Baltimore or not Baltimore, Denver comic-con maybe a year or two ago. And we really hit it off. Um, And so I was just like, okay, like uh, I got to work with you on something. Let's find something. And uh, yeah, he just, uh, yeah, he, he, He's the the thing that I, I think a lot of people might not realize about lettering and why it's so important. And sorry that I'm going on a rant no, about I, about comics process. You, you uh, totally got my next question, which was talking so, about your team. So this is perfect. Well, they, they say they, they they have a phrase about filmmaking, which is there's the film you write, the film you shoot, and the film you edit. Yeah. Right. Well, for comics, it's the it's the the story you write, the story you draw, and the story you letter. Mm. Um, the letterer is kind of the, 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 the letterer is sort of your conduit as a safety net, where if you turn, if the, if the artist puts in their own interpretation, or if there's a detail that has gone missing that you haven't noticed that the lettering is sort of your last chance to fix it. Yeah. Um, but also the, the lettering, there's a relationship between the lettering and the rest of the art, you know? And so for me, my big challenge as a writer um, I have a, a, a rule where I say I don't write more than 22 words a word balloon unless it's meant to be a long-winded speech. But certain words are obviously longer than others, and that messes with your metric occasionally. Um, and so that's the conversation that TC and I have all the time, which is, oh, I just saw this panel, and I clearly gave you a giant speech and didn't realize it. Um, let me cut a bunch of words so you have breathing room. And... and uh, um, he's very patient with me about that, which is what I need. Um, But that way it's sort of, we're able to make the story flow. Um, You know, I, I can predict a decent amount just from the scripting stage, but you know, just as somebody who's still fairly new at this, um, you know, you can only imagine so much before everything clicks together. Yeah. And, and um, when it's, when it's a good day, you're like, Oh yeah, I killed that. When it's a bad day, you're like, Oh, that reads really badly. I need to fix this. <laughs> um, so yeah, but I, th- I really, I, I think, I feel like I'm working with the A team here. I mean, these guys are, are terrific. And that honestly frees up a lot of pressure for me as a writer. Um, my, my goal has always been work with people who look so good that no one cares about your writing. 
<laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it's 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 a uh, it's freeing for me uh, because I know that people reading this book. I mean, I hope they like my writing. I, I you know, uh, I think it's it's some of my better work, but. Uh, they're going to look at Ruben and Whitney together and they're just gonna be like, Oh, well, like this thing looks gorgeous. Like I, I don't, I, I, I don't have to read this book. Um, it's and amazing. so, yeah, from what you it, gave us, I mean, it's, if Batman metal had a baby with invincible and threw it on these pages, like I'm all, about I love this. that. I, it is. Amazing. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's just been, it's a really, it's a fun, it's a fun, it's a fun group to work with. Um, and I think that's part of the reason why I went to Kickstarter with this is, um, you know, and we can, we can talk about it in greater detail in a little bit, but you know, really it's just when you have a book that looks that good yeah. and it's burning a hole in your pocket. And this book has been burning a hole in my pocket for longer than I'd like. Wow. Um, you know, I was just, I kind of, I had a moment. It was like that sort of, you know, that epiphany where I was just like, you know what? I'm not letting this thing sit for one more minute. I, the, the, the world needs to see this book. And, um, and that was kind of that moment where I was like, all right, we're, we're pushing it. Um, and, uh, I haven't regretted it once. I don't see why you would. This is, I'm, I'm sitting here browsing through some of it, man, that you kind of gave us little sneak peeks at. And it's just, it's, fantastic i can't pull <laughs> myself you. away from it i keep going back and like pulling it up and like oh whoa all right i'm totally here like uh, and but I also you kind of talk about the lettering right and i always yeah. saw the lettering as the the final voice right I, yeah. I hear a voice every time i see great lettering and when i don't hear yeah. great lettering i feel like i'm reading you know stereo instructions and yeah. everything here, just like I said, from these little sneak peeks, I mean, I'm, I'm hearing the shaking, I'm hearing the trembling, I'm hearing the scared voices from yep. everything I'm seeing. And it's just fantastic. So kudos to you and the team, man. This is yeah, killer. It's, it's terrific. And, you know, I mean, I've, I've, I've been really fortunate that I've worked with terrific uh, letterers, you know, um, Colin Bell, I've known him, he was my Spencer and Locke letterer, and I've known him for uh, over a decade, I think, or close to a decade. And, um, you know, I couldn't pick have picked a, a better first letterer to work with because he really has set the tone for me for my baseline for everything else moving forward. Um, you know, that's sort of it, it's 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 a paradox because good lettering is invisible in a lot of ways. It's very hard to find wiggle room to 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 really flex your your your, your muscles. I think DC does a really good job at it. Um, you know, uh, uh, I don't want to spoil too much but there you know the 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 benefit of doing something set in the wizard of oz is uh there are different characters in different species and so you know and and there are magical characters yeah. and so uh you know he's been able to take you know he, he never goes too over the top with it but like he's able to add in just like a little bit of something extra that really kind of sells that you know we're not in kansas anymore um you know these are these you know and not everybody in fact dorothy's kind of one of the few human beings to be existing in this world yeah um and so uh yeah he's 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 really done some really cool interesting stuff with it that uh it's, it's really fun to watch that's amazing and, and and that's fantasy right like that's where you get yep. to go and explore fantasy um was there i mean for you specifically and kind of seeing some of these things was, was that something that you guys had kind of put on paper or was that just surprises that you got and were just and enjoyed them and we're like, Hey, let's, let's keep these going. Uh, you're talking about just the, the elements just the of fantasy surprises and little things that he was throwing in as far as. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, you know, for me, it was kind of like, 
if anything, I think the things that Ruben in particular has elevated, honestly, um, he's elevated, I think, the military the, the element to me. Um, you know, you know, I mean, seeing the way that he has sort of built up the tin soldier, for example. Yeah. And the way I described him in the script was this is a guy who has been blown up and put back together so many times that like he's kind of like this hodgepodge of armor at this point. Like they've, they've had to put him back together with whatever they could find. And at the same time, he's sort of like this giant sort of steampunk cyborg soldier where he's not wearing armor. He is the armor. Yeah. Um, and you know, they're, they're seeing the way that, that Ruben and then sort of Ruben kind of sets it up for Whitney to slam dunk. Um, you know, seeing the way that he has built Oz as a setting. Yeah. Um, you know, you'll see this, this won't be a spoiler cause it's right in our preview page. You see from our very first page, uh, we've got sort of, you know, this was, this was something that Ruben and I talked about at the jump was you see in the background, a statue of the wicked witch that's yeah. been tipped over like the Saddam Hussein statue. Um, and sort of seeing like, Oh, Oz has seen better days. Um, <laughs> I I'm pretty Spartan when it comes to my scripts, like character designs. I kind of go crazy, but um, the way I describe settings, I'm usually just kind of water skiing my way from beginning to end, just trying to get it all out. And Ruben adds so much to it. Um, that's why I say he's not just a talented storyteller. He's not just a talented uh, uh, compositionalist, um, you know, in terms of how he stacks together, panels which is something that i always really respond to because i always try to stack panels when i'm writing yeah um but his design work is just so incredible that um you know it's it 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 takes everything that i've sort of imagined and i i I throw this guy through the ringer all the time and i apologize to him (laughs) um i I will apologize publicly to, to ruben rojas because like for example you know saying like oh and you know and you know suddenly you know they they fire some rockets into a into a giant stampede of animals um you know that's real easy that takes me (laughs) that takes me like 10 seconds to write yeah uh that takes poor ruben like probably like three days to draw (laughs) um and he is just so gracious and good-hearted um you know he's 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 a guy who um ruben has always just been kind of like down for whatever and um, I can't, I, I can't thank him enough. I mean, when I first brought to him the idea of doing the Kickstarter, um, I said, Ruben, you know, you've been doing terrific work. You've already got two issues in the can. I'm tired of waiting. I'm tired of asking permission to create this book that I know is gorgeous. Yeah. What if we just put it out on Kickstarter and then, you know, let the chips fall and he was like, yeah, sounds good. Yeah. Um, there, 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 there are probably artists who would have, you know, had second thoughts. But I think, you know, the way that I explained it to Ruben and the way that I'll, I'll explain it to you guys is, um, you know, Kickstarter, first off, is kind of its own market. Yeah. Um, you know, there are people who buy books just at comic shops. There are people who buy books just on Amazon. There are people who buy books just at conventions. And for those people, I thank you. Um, but there are people who just buy books on Kickstarter. They want to know what's what's indie and what's hot. And so, I, like I said, I've had friends press ganging me for the better part of a year telling me, you should really do Kickstarter. You know, Charlie Stickney from White Ash, uh, Rylan Grant, who just completed The Jump. Um, 
uh, you know, Russell Mahalty with his laundry list of, of Kickstarter books, including Cthulhu's Hard to Spell and, and Ichabod Jones. Um, you know, I probably had a good like eight or nine people of friends who have done Kickstarter successfully saying you should really dip your toe into this. And um, then COVID hit and it really was a, an eye opener for me. It really made me kind of rethink my my plan and how i want to do business it's not to say that i'm against traditional publishers i love traditional publishers i've got you know spencer and lock three on the docket i've got grand theft astro on the docket i have another unannounced book that's due out sometime next year um at a traditional publisher so i love traditional publishers but um there's something to be said for diversifying that readership um i'm always every book that i write is always with the goal of being accessible and having a wider consensus it's, it's to invite people to the table yeah and um and so i it, you know on top of that you know covid you know not only did it kind of you know it, it, it's 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 paralyzed the country in a lot of ways um you know it shut down the comics industry single-handedly you know yeah. when diamond shut down i had a i i had kind of a long dark night of the soul of thinking okay what does this mean moving forward <laughs> and you know the thing is, is that, you know, publishers all from, you know, all over the place, their, their acquisitions process has slowed as a result of this. Um, it's not to say that I, I didn't talk to traditional publishers about the OZ. And it's not to say that we didn't even have interest, but, you know, between sort of the waiting of figuring out, you know, are they going to bite? Are they not going to bite? And then also the development process of when they would release it. I mean, at this point, if I went to a traditional publisher, they probably wouldn't release it till the end of 2022. And my thought is that is too long to wait for a book that looks this good. That is already that we already have 44 pages done. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, that was sort of, I was solving one problem with another. Um, it was saying I've wanted to do Kickstarter. It's a way to sort of um, diversify readership. It's a way to continue, um, focusing on the digital sphere which i think is the future in sort of a con free uh uh industry yeah. and and taking this book that i love and i'm realizing if i'm going to do kickstarter why don't i just give my a like my a-list stuff absolutely um yeah. and uh you know because my thought is is look there's a lot of books that you can buy uh at your comic shop on kickstarter web comics not to mention, you know, video games and television and Netflix and, 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 and all the streaming services. And my thought is always, I want to give readers the most bang for their buck. I want to give them the highest quality story that I can, that I can deliver with my skill set, um, with my, with my collaborators. Um, and also, you know, Kickstarter, I think is a way to, to sweeten the pot a little. So, you know, for example, um, every single reward tier that we have um, starting from the $5 reward tier, um, you know, our, our $5 thank you tier, you still get PDFs of the first issues of Spencer and Locke and go into the chapel. Oh, nice. Very cool. Uh, because I want to make sure that like nobody just feels like they're throwing money away, that they will get something in return for their support. Absolutely. Um, but going all the way to, you know, being able to get drawn into the book or having Ruben draw you a custom headshot of any character you want. Nice. Um, to uh, probably my favorite award. Um, people have asked me for years, are you going to do Spencer plushies? Oh, and, um, and the answer is not right now, 
but I had 10 of them custom handmade as a thank you gift to my creative team. Nice. I have three left over. Oh. Mm. So we, we have our, 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 our King of the Jungle reward pack. Okay. Um, where not only, you know, do you get all the covers, not only do you get all of my trades, not only do you get, um, you know, uh, 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 our, our Dorothy design cover, our Dorothy design card from, from Ruben, but you get one of our three Spencer dolls. Dude, King of the Jungle. All right. Um, yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, you know, all the way to sort of like our ultimate, ultimate package. Um, we have, uh, there's no place like home. Okay. Um, where, uh, it's our ultimate package, but um, whoever wants to, to 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 go for it, I will do a signing any at any comic shop in the continental U.S. once COVID subsides. Um, uh, I will I will fly anywhere in the co- continental U.S. Uh, to do this. Uh, you got to make sure that your comic shop actually wants me there. Um, <laughs> that you're cool with hosting me. Um, I don't I don't want any 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 sort of misery situations. No um, you know uh, uh, you know I don't want to be tied to a bed and have my 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 foot broken if you don't like the ending of Spencer and Mockery. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, and then we've got you know all sorts of you know materials kind of in between. Um, we were all talking about it before the show started, but we've got a a trio of uh, variant covers. Um, by uh, Mon House from uh, Spencer and Locke, uh, uh, Kenneth Wagnon uh, from Hearts Full of Sand, and Rio Burton um, from Lucid Dreaming and Destiny New York. And uh, yeah, they are all terrific. Um, I think they all pair really nicely with, uh, with Ruben's main cover. And uh, yeah, it's just, you know, I figure, am I a little nervous for my first Kickstarter? Of course. I feel like the stakes to me feel as high as the original Spencer unlock. Nice. Um, you know, because it's, it's, it's do or die. Kickstarters are all or nothing. Um, every backer and every dollar counts, um, especially for, for, for your, your listeners who are listening to this upon release. Um, this will be coming out uh, presumably on the second day of our campaign. Yep. And the first 48 hours are crucial. Um, the first 48 hours set the algorithm for Kickstarter um deciding how much they want to promote it um and so it's it's really kind of um uh it's exponential uh especially the early support so yeah i mean you know we're 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 trying you know for people who don't know me i want you to get to know me um because i'm i'm really i'm proud of the work that we've put out um both for the oz and my previous work and uh i just uh you know i i uh I want, I want to give these books some loving homes, and nice. uh, I, 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 I think this is the best way to do it. I love it, man. And everybody listen out there, please, um, when you go and get to this Kickstarter for um, Oz, just please, please, please make sure Pepos knows, you know, Comics for All sent you, whatever you want to do. Man. Please. Just give him a shout out, man. Let him know what's going on out there. And yeah, tell the friends, the family, this is, this is big, but this is also just, you guys have heard him on the episodes, man. It's a guy that we love that, you know, we always Thank get you. great downloads on your episodes. So it's always, Thank huge you. and people enjoy you, man. So uh, well, make sure it, we're going out and supporting him on this. It, it means the world. And look, readers who, who want to know about the OZ, um, I've tried to make it as simple as humanly possible. Um, the OZ comic, it's one word. You can visit on bit.ly. That will take you straight to the Kickstarter page. You can do it on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That'll take us to our various book pages. So the OZ comic, just one word all spelled out. You can either do it all lowercase or you can uppercase OZ. 
um or no i think uh you can uppercase the oz comic or just do it all lowercase it doesn't matter for bitly um but uh yeah and then you can also follow me i'm on uh twitter and instagram at pepos d it's my last name first initial you can follow david pepos comics on facebook that's my author page uh and you can uh subscribe to my newsletter pep talks that's at uh bit.ly slash pep news um you know i i uh that's the thing is that covid in lieu of being able to sort of do the on the ground work um at a convention i love conventions i miss conventions i've certainly been more productive without (laughs) conventions but um in lieu of that my thought has been how do we pivot digitally yeah um that's focusing on social media that's focusing on kickstarter um focusing on digital distribution um and you know also figuring out a way for me as a creator to empower myself that's the thing that i've been so excited about with this kickstarters i love learning all the different elements of the industry and you know having started as an intern and then became a critic and now as a creator um i felt like there's a lot of angles i know um in terms of creation and publicity and editorial didn't i you know up until this campaign i didn't know about how to print your own books i didn't know how to work with a printer i didn't know how to navigate the production element of it to get it print ready i didn't know um about shipping and how you do that now i feel like i'm an old pro at it yeah um and it's sort of those though that those learning elements that i think are especially empowering for creators especially for indie creators because you know it's this industry it's kind of like being like a shark where if you don't if you if you don't put out work on a at least a semi-consistent basis you know people will start to think what do you you know are you still here? And at the same time, the catch 22 is there's only a limited amount of create of, of, of space at publishers. And of course, publishers are, you know, they there's the people from up top who, you know, they're leaving Marvel and DC. They want to do create around and that kind of trickles down. But then there's also sort of the people who are like breakout stars. They want to find the next hit yeah. thing. And, um, and, you know, as a, as an, uh, uh, an indie creator, you're sort of caught in the middle of that. And while you kind of hope that maybe you'll be one of those breakout stars, and I think Spencer and Locke was was as breakout as I could have possibly hoped, um, sometimes you got to make your own opportunities. Yeah. And I think that's where Kickstarter is. It's really empowering for creators, and it's something that um, now you see Jeff Lemire and Saladin Ahmed and Cullen Bunn and Jimmy Palmiotti doing it. There's no stigma anymore. Yeah. Um, and so... Uh, yeah, I'm very excited to see how this turns out. Well, and I love, you know, and I think the comic industry in general, and you hit so many points. Of, uh, one of the big questions we've been asking everybody that's been coming on yeah. the show is now in this, you know, kind of post-COVID or current COVID, current pandemic world right now. Yeah. We are seeing people have to find new ways to be discovered and be seen because you used to be able to go to convention, sit on Artist Alley, yeah. get a lot of, you know, income for that. But yeah. right now, like you said, it's something and, and I, I'm still kind of blown away. I'm not seeing more of this because sure. with comics specifically, you, you don't have to be in an office every day. You can be fragmented. Yeah. You can be in other parts of the country. You have proven that with yeah. your other works, you know, and so many others have done the same thing. But it's it's tough. It's it's so, you know, it, these are unprecedented times in, in every sense of the word. And I think, you know comics god love comics i i i uh, they're 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 an industry that can be a little resistant to change you know there's the, you know, exactly i, I think <laughs> the act of 
the act of creation is tough. Um, you know, I was, I was just talking with a friend about this earlier today. Uh, the act of creation is tough and that, you know, there, there are creators that they put, that's, that's, that is what they do. They put a hundred percent of themselves into it. And oftentimes they're, they're, they're super talented as a result, but you have to know the business side of this. Um, and I feel like the, you know, the Kickstarter has been really helpful for me for that. I, um, because yeah, it's, it's, you know, you can't do conventions anymore. Um, you know, publishers, their plans are sort of a little up in the air. I mean, you know, sort of at best there's delays and cancellations. Absolutely. Um, and so I feel like, uh, you know, trying to make your own opportunities. And the thing is, these things are cyclical. I mean, you know, I, 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 I certainly am not like turning the, you know, slamming the door saying I will never let a publisher publish the OZ <laughs> far from it. Um, you know, I mean, we, we had a lot of fruitful conversations with some places that I would love to work with yeah. and, you know, just COVID kind of put a, put, put, put everything on hold. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, I do think that we, we do need to have a rethink on how, how, how we do things. And, um, and I, I, I think, you know, people are taking stabs at it. I mean, you saw, I, I'm not in love with the way they went about doing it, but on paper, like at least seeing the way that DC has, has sort of uh, switched up their, their distribution model. Hey, we'll see. I, yeah. The his, time you will know, tell and history will be the, you know, the, yeah. The, you know, I that. You know, but like seeing uh, publishers like Scout or SourcePoint or TKO, where, you know, TKO's model was to sort of circumvent Diamond. And yep. so they were able to continue doing what they were doing. They were able to, you know, deliver two stores. Um, Scout and SourcePoint, because they have, you know, their own infrastructure, yep. uh, were able to be a lot more nimble uh, with it. I, I, and to be honest, I, that, was a re- that was very instructive to me. Um, you know, sort of seeing, you know, obviously I can't do it at scale, you know, I'm just one, I'm one man in, a, in an LA apartment, right. but, uh, <laughs> you know, at the same time, learning to do that, I think is, is, is really important as a creator. Um, because yeah, I think I've always found that, you know, people like it when you can show a degree of independence that you don't need your hand held. Yep. Um, I think, I think working at action lab was really helpful for, for me in that regard, you know, because just like many indie publishers, they're not a place that they don't have the bandwidth. They don't have the staff to hold your hand. No. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think, I think ultimately, I, th- I think that's sort of the catch 22 is that, is that a lot of creators, they know the creative side, you have to be self-motivated and you have to sort of, you know, take the initiative and then they think, oh, well, a publisher will handle all the business nobody even the best publisher is not going to love your book the way you love your book um you know uh uh, they will they will always have and i say this with no shade or disrespect but they will always they'll have they have other books well the The top 100 the top 120 books are always going to sell it doesn't yeah it it never matters right and it and it's based you know it's like the the vast majority of them are all licensed characters. Absolutely. Um, with rare exception, you know, you might have like a, a, a Brian K. Vaughn or, or a Robert Kirkman, um, you know, or, you know, image itself has become such a brand that they might be able to get a number one. True. In, in, in there. But yeah, it's, it's like, you know, I don't have the benefit of, of working on anything licensed currently, um, which is, you know, that I think that's a, that's a plus 
that's that's a plus too. It's it's that I I don't have to jump through hoops. <laughs> I don't have to. I don't have to go through approvals. Yeah, you don't have to worry about um, the canon from issue in the '60s, you know, and not messing. Yeah, up. <laughs> yeah, you know. I mean, look, not to say, look, if Marvel and DC came calling, I've got pitches in my back pocket. Yeah, I was going to say, but, yeah, you'd be a fool not to answer that. But, call. but, but it's just kind of like you know, I Spencer and Locke and 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 the OZ in a lot of ways they're they're they are stealth licensed books. Um, you know, it, it's sort of you know parody and pastiche. I think are really helpful tools as a creator. Um, and I think they often get a bad rap. Um, but I think if you do it right and you're thoughtful about it and it's not just shock for shock value's sake, um, they can be really interesting. I yeah. mean, I was talking with, uh, I was talking to Mark Russell recently. Um, cause I was telling him, I was like, you know, I really consider you a role model, um, and an influence because, you know, he was sort of one of those, I mean, we were kind of, his Flintstones came out before Spencer and Locke did, but like, you know, I think, I think Snagglepuss was coming out concurrently with us um, or maybe even a little bit after. Um, And yeah, like, like seeing what you can do with these icons and also by virtue of them being childhood icons. And I say this with all the love and affection in the world, you know, they can often be a little more surface level, you know, they're geared towards children. And so they, there's so much untapped potential and untapped nuance that you can kind of extract out of these. And I think a lot of my favorite creators, you know, from Mark Russell to Brubaker to uh, uh, Tom King um, to uh, Roberto Aguirre Sacasa, you know, with Afterlife with Archie and and everything he did with Riverdale and, and Sabrina since. Um, I really like these. They're, they're, nice. they're fun. And I think it's a way to inject some new life into some very time-worn tropes. I mean, I love superheroes as much as the next person, but it's very easy to get caught in a rut. Well, and I think that's just the 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 process of comics was in a rut anyways right you know you had to wait on diamond you had to wait on these guys these publishers to get your book into comic shops and i think that's where we're coming to some of my frustration came from is because is it as just kind of a rule if you're going to be an artist a writer for comic books you have to be entrepreneur you have to be out there and banging the streets and getting out there and putting your book out there and getting people's hands and for to feel like so many creators I was watching were just sitting still waiting for this to fix itself. That's the thing. It was a little frustrating, man. That's the thing. And, and, you know, I, I get to some degree of not, not wanting to sort of plant your flag when everything's chaotic all around you. I mean, we, we, we had the disadvantage when we announced going to the chapel, um, that, that like, uh, like within like 48 hours, there had been a shooting at a church. And so we had to really kind of rethink, how we were going to do this, you know? So like we, we, we kind of let the PR go quiet for a little bit. Um, and when we came back, like we had to really reinforce, like this is a bank robbery at a church. It's not, it's not, you know, it's a heist. It's at a church. It's not, it's not violent hostage taking. Yes. It's not, it's not Um, a statement against a religious, you know, or anybody else. Yeah. And so, um, I get that there was like a little bit of like, Oh, what's going to happen. And I'm sure, I'm sure there was a degree of also just immediate panic of sort of like, Oh, the books I'm working on right now, are they going to get canceled? Are they going to get postponed? The royalty checks I'm owed, are they coming in? But I think you, you hit it on the head is that comics creators, they're so focused on the creative side and they kind of 
there's they, they they think of there's one way to get in and now you know there's one way to get in there's one way to sell there's one way to get things in stores and that's not the case anymore not at all um, and, and i don't think it's been that way for a while i think now with the pandemic though people are finally going out there and saying hey what other ways are there to be successful and now i can go and find some of those trails that have been blazed yeah. by others and you know i mean it's funny like we were talking about this at the start of the podcast and you were you were so kind to say that you, you think I'm, I'm making all the right moves and i'm ahead of the game and to be honest i feel like i'm six steps behind trying to catch up <laughs> uh you know i i feel like i feel like for example I, you know if i had known how much a, a, you know a, a newsletter would help i would have started it you know well prior to what I did when I did, I think, um, I want to say the next newsletter I'm doing might be like my one year anniversary writing these things. Mm -hmm. Um, or if not some, somewhere close to that, but, um, you know, I, I regret not being able to do more shows to get more people on my mailing list. Um, you know, my social media presence, I'm sort of re reimagining that and rethinking that in a way that yeah, I want to be conversational and I want to be able to engage with people, but I also, you know, I had to kind of really wrap my head around how do I post on Instagram every day? Yeah. You know, like I, 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 uh, I, I had to ask my my girlfriend sort of like how do you do how do you do Instagram stories? Like I just didn't get it. Yeah. Um, you know, to taking this Kickstarter approach where it's 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 yes, it's a way to announce your book and promote your book, but it's also a way to pre-order your book. It's a storefront in a lot Absolutely. of ways. And so, um, you know, I think in a lot of ways there's, you know, I'm, I've got catching up to do. I mean, I see, you know, scout and source point in particular, I think have been really good at sort of, uh, driving things through online, uh, you know, through, through online sales and online engagement. And I think, you know, I think, uh, you know, I, I, I give Charlie Stickney all the credit in the world because that was, that was him. I mean, he and I, we tabled together, at um, his Long Beach Comic Con um, uh, earlier in the year, um, and we we talked for hours about this sort of thing, um, of, of sort of saying, you know, how do you, you know, how do you get the word out through the noise? And I think Charlie has taken, you know, I mean, he already had that following from his Kickstarter campaign, and he's been able to sort of extrapolate and build that ecosystem. To, to scout in general. And I think, you know, that's the way the industry has to succeed is, you know, if you're gonna, if you're not going to be Marvel and DC, if you're not going to have these brand names, um, then you got to sell twice as hard. I think I'm sort of able to have my cake and eat it too, where it's in sort of ways I do have a little bit of these brand names yeah, and I'm able to kind of push this double time saying, you know, the OZ is it's it's a reimagining uh, of epic fantasy based on the Wizard of Oz, and um, that's that's cool. I like saying that. Uh, I, I, I I you know it it it's a book that I would read um, even if I wasn't writing it, and um, and I'm hopeful that 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 everybody else feels the same way. Um, nice. You know, I mean, and again, I know there's a lot of books, you know, competing for attention. And so I'm, I, I'm, I'm thankful that I'm so, I'm confident, not in my own work, but I'm confident in my team. Uh, my team is so spectacular that they've really kind of, they're, you know, 
I, I like my writing, but like I, I uh, <laughs> you know, I, I also like I know who the weak link is. Uh, you know, I, it, 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 this this is a you know, it's a visual medium. It's an art driven medium. And I I always make it a point, perhaps to my detriment, perhaps to my slowness, that I I refuse to work with somebody that I'm not confident in. Um, hey, if, if, if I don't love their work, I can't expect you to. No and doubt. So um, that's why I, I I think it's taken me longer than I'd like, mm-hmm. but I've been really fortunate with the with the the creators that I've been working with on a number of projects. Um, you know, both the OZ and uh, you know some of the other projects that I that I've been teasing as well. There you go. <laughs> I love it. Um, well, and I just want to give once again. You know, you already mentioned your team, and a big thanks yeah. to Ruben Rojas and Whitney Coger and DC Hopkins. Um, it looks amazing. Everything visually fantastic but yeah now we got peppos here to uh get us on the story so well pressure's on him now guys you you did yeah (laughs) you know just just it's one of those things the thing i'm so excited about with this book is because it's double-sized um like we were talking about earlier um it's it's not going to be decompressed um you know we we really the you know i wrote this first issue this first kickstarter issue i initially wrote it as two regular length issues and they pair together really nicely in the sense that um you know we really kind of get to know who dorothy is we get to kind of understand what's going on with her and yet we also get to really get a a deep dive into what what oz was and what it's become and who are the people in it yeah and uh sort of seeing just dorothy kind of have to decide like can i be a soldier again um you know i've done my duty haven't i done enough yep um and uh so yeah i it's it's i'm really happy with how it turned out and um yeah i i I think you guys will be too that's just exciting to me like that's just an exciting story um you know that i have a few buddies in the military Mm -hmm. and and we've talked about some things like that and i and i love that i love that that's what's being explored here and they're not even comic book readers um but jared out in Savannah, Georgia right now, Army Ranger, first class. I'm going to be giving him a copy of this and see what he thinks about it, man, because I think he would love this. I really do. So Thank you. I, I, I appreciate it. It means the world. Um, you know, we're just, you know, it, it's, a, it's, it's a dark story, but I think, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not an oppressive story. Um, you know, I, I think, if anything, the story in a lot of ways, it's certainly not as bleak as Spencer and Locke, but I think the thing I like about kind of these these heavier stories is it makes that redemptive arc pop nice. that much more. Yeah. Um, you know, it's sort of it's always darkest before the dawn. I love it. And um and I think yeah, I will say it without spoiling anything, um, because you'll all find out with the first uh within the first and second issues. <laughs> all I'll say is there was one character that I almost killed off. Oh. And I kind of at the 11th hour decided to spare them. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm glad I did because Good. they're, they are one of the two characters that I think could be a fan favorite. Gotcha. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, it's just, it, you know, so it, it's, it's one of those things that like, like I said, it's, you know, it's no darker than say, you know, Bad Max uh, Fury road. Okay. Um, so it's certainly not in that kind of, 
true detective mind hunter like David Fincher. <laughs> bleak. Everybody always says this, this is as bleak as Spencer and Locke. And I don't think I'll ever write anything again as bleak as Spencer and Locke unless it's like outright horror. There you go. Um, but uh, yeah, this is it's a book that's got some weight to it. But I think that that balance of the military elements and the fantastical elements, it's, you know, it's harder than Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, but it's still, you know, it's got that 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 core to it yep. that keeps it from becoming just depressing. Yeah. Um, and so it just kind of gets you excited. You're like, oh, wow. The, you know, Oz has some teeth and we didn't know. Nice. And now you've now we get to see it. I love you, it. You, you think you knew the story of the Wizard of Oz, <laughs> but this is the story of what comes next. Hell yeah, I love it. Um, I'm gonna actually throw it out for some kind of last thoughts. Um, Pete yeah. and Marley, I'll let you guys go, man. We are gonna get kind of wrapping up here in a little bit. So, sure. Marley, Pete, what's up? Well, I had one thought because this sounds like so much of an amazing story, but you mentioned how you always end up with a checklist after mm-hmm. you've done these stories. What does the checklist look like for after this one? Oh wow! So I have I I, I have a few. I mean, um, you know, and it's funny because I I because I'm working on on different projects concurrently. Um, you know, I, I want to do more sci-fi. Um, you know, Grand Theft Astro was really fun to write, but just because by virtue of it's not drawn yet, I'm sort of chomping at the bit to to do some sci-fi. Um, I really want to do a disaster book. Um, that that has been like on my on my to-do list for a very long time um i want to do i want to do a time loop um story and i think i actually might have one that i'm pretty happy with um so that might be next on the agenda um you know i think uh I think beyond that, I want to do stories with more human beings. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, you I, have Project Tagalong. That's got to be a Girl Scout thing, right? For the Tagalong. Uh, you know, no. it's it, it's it's. Uh, I will say there are human there are human beings in Project Tagalong, okay. um, but it's it's a. Uh, you know the the thing about the OZ, I I had to like talk with Ruben when I when I decided we were going to do a Kickstarter, and I was like, look, man, like you know, can we find any places that include cameos in the book? And he's like, well, here's a bunch of munchkins. Um, here's here's like a crowd of refugees in the deadly desert. And um, here's a general store that we could put somebody in. And so uh, for my sake and to the sake of everybody I'm working with, I do want to work with some more human beings. Uh, uh, but um yeah. And I will say though, that said, I really enjoyed working on kind of the fantasy elements. Um, you know, it's sort of, it's my inevitable pull to eventually doing a superhero. Um, and I, I will say, and I've teased it in my newsletter, I am doing a superhero story coming up. Um, mm-hmm. I'm doing, I'm, I, I've, I've written a one shot that I'm really excited about um, that that'll be uh, showing up uh, in an anthology relatively soon. Um, and, uh, you know what, I'll, I'll say it here. Cause we're all friends. Um, you know, we haven't, we haven't announced the artist on the book uh, on the, on that one shot yet, but I, I'm going to be reteaming with, uh, uh, Spencer and locks, Jorge Santiago Jr. Yeah, for this story. Um, so, uh, uh, so we'll, I'm, I'm really excited about that. That, that project's been a baby of mine nice. since before Spencer and lock. Yeah. Um, and so, it, it just uh it took me a long time to kind of hammer it out as a script 
And I was like, listen, there's nobody I'd want to, this, to bring this into the world with more than, than, than Jorge. Um, but yeah, you know, more fantasy elements. Um, I've had a Captain Planet pitch burning in my back pocket for years. <laughs> um, and to be honest, the OZ only made me want to do that more. Um, you know, I think um, it's funny. I, it's, I keep saying that I don't want to do more military books after this since I feel like I've already done two. But like I've, I've had another idea for something a little similar, um, more like a Mission Impossible James Bond kind of thing than like outright SEAL Team 6. But, um, you know, that's, that's something, you know. I, I, uh, but yeah, I, you know, it's, it's, it's a great question. I, I feel like, um, yeah, so much of it is just like, when I'm working on a book and anytime you work in a book, no matter how excited you are with it. And I, I marathon through the OZ. Um, there's still that part of you. That's like, okay, I'm writing like fantasy with like all these action sequences. And like, I'm writing it with like, like a, a deep internal monologue. So I'm writing essentially twice as hard. Um, I'm like, you know, what would I want to do? Like, Oh, I really want to do a book without <laughs> narration. Um, <laughs> Or, you know, I want to do a book that's, like, brighter in tone. Um, you know, um, Project Project Juniper, um, you know, um, is, is, is one of those where I'm just, like, I get to have the fantastic elements, but it's, like, a much brighter, peppier, cheerier book. It's, 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 it's by far the lightest and brightest thing I've ever done. There you go. Um, but at the same time, like, it's funny. I wrote the OZ, and then, like, the next thing I wrote was, like, a YA action book. <laughs> Um, and that was, that was, that was partially because I was like, oh boy, I've written a lot of harsh stuff. I want to write something that a child could read. Uh, you know, so like that's, that's project sweet potato. And, you know, I'm talking with, um, I'm talking with, uh, an artist right now who, um, I'm crossing my fingers. We can get the timing down. It'll work out because it was somebody who I wrote the book kind of envisioning them. Um, so if they can, if I can get the, 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 the scheduling down, it, it would be insane. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I, I, I think at this point I'm in this weird spot. Um, once the Kickstarter's over, I'm diving into Spencer and lock three. Um, and it's going to be, you know, barring any sort of cataclysm between, you know, when I finish it, um, that'll probably be our last word. On, on 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 the series um you know three trilogy is always good Th- always. these these uh these things are are very hard to write <laughs> um uh I, you know by virtue of it's very rare for you to see a third installment of anything that you like um sure. at least you know at least at least with the second one i had good role models um this one i i i have to kind of be my own role model um and then it's for the first time in like a couple of years i'm finally sort of on a clean slate and that's really exciting to me um the idea of trying different things of you know just seeing kind of what things you know tickle my fancy um i have a crime book that's been percolating for a year and a half nice um that uh, that that i it, it, if I can pull it off, it, it'll be like one of the most fun things I've ever written. It'll be sort of, you know, it'll, it'll be kind of not, not in as, as, as wildly goofy of a vein as going to the chapel, but kind of that same streamlined 
you know, sort of emotional family oriented crime saga. Okay. (laughs) Um, you know, so it's, it's a, it's it's an exciting time. It's a, it's certainly a scary time. I mean, just with the rest of the world and and the rest of the industry and you know the economy and you don't know where anything's going to turn up. And um, you know, I guess I'll, I'll sort of I know I've kept you guys on for a long time, and I'll kind of wrap it with, you know, Mark Russell was talking about his experience with John Lewis, and he said he had a conversation with him saying that, you know, John was was talking about he was doing his sit-ins. Um, in the civil rights movement. And uh, he went to, uh, I believe he said it was, it was, it was, a, it was a Chinese restaurant that, that, that wasn't, that didn't serve black people. And, um, and he, he ate there and then, you know, he got beaten up and arrested and taken out. And he was saying, you know, I think about that meal a lot. That was a really good meal. Yeah. And he was talking about how, you know, those, those, pleasures in life whether it's food or it's it's comics um i know they don't mean it doesn't look like much in the grand scheme of things but these are the things that we draw strength from um these are the things that make us resilient for everything else that comes next and it was really i felt very seen um you know because i think before that i was thinking i had the same existential crisis that a lot of people had during covid you know what a comic book writer can seem very powerless in the face of these greater forces out there that we have no control and no negotiating over i can't negotiate with 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 a deadly virus i can't negotiate with a president um but what i can do is i can tell stories that might make you feel a little bit better and might sort of make you feel a little bit more equipped for the unprecedented times that we're going through. Yeah. And uh, if I can do that, then, all right, I, I found my place and I found my calling. And, um, and you know, come hell or high water, I'm not going to let anything stop me from doing it. Hell yeah, man. I love that. And, dude, David Pepos, uh, thank you so much for that because – um, it's all about a little extra joy in a world, yeah. especially like this. And I'm totally going to steal the quote from Dave Chappelle. Um, he has a phenomenal uh, stand-up on, and a little series on Netflix right now. And he quotes it, that this is the time where creative people will change the world. And thank you for being creative and helping change the world and doing something just a little special for everybody, man. So thank you very much. It's my pleasure. Thank you guys for having me. I, I really appreciate it. And thank you to all your listeners. Um, you know, uh, your support means the world. You can find the OZ on Kickstarter. Um, it's just bit.ly slash the OZ comic. Uh, our old link bit.ly slash project saffron will also still work. Um, you know, and then, yeah, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, the OZ comic, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Pepos D or David Pepos comics on Facebook. Perfect. Uh, Pete Marley, anything you guys want to promote real fast? Where can they find you? They can find me on Twitter at the Marley cricket. Pete is our handle in our Twitter at all for comics. It is very true. And please hit me up anytime because as these two much fun, more finely bearded gentlemen than I have said, stories matter. Maybe I won't even get to finish you, finish your story. I don't know, but I've spent my life trying to devour as many as I could. Not just awesome stuff like good Mr. Peppos, but definitely including, and I'll recommend as many as I can, whatever you can, as well as reiterate any of these links to you if you need me to do that. <laughs>
<laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. They, they will be coming fast and hard from all for comics, uh, Twitter and Instagrams. So uh, you guys can find me, the Big Papa Matt, on Twitter, Son of Maku on Instagram, and also making sure we get the uh, all for comics one running as well. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Don't forget to like, share, comment, subscribe wherever you get this show or hear from us out there. Thank you guys so much, David Pepos. Thank you again, my man. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thank you guys. Have a great night. Sure. Good night.